Elvis Garcia sends one the other way. That sends Carroll back. He's at the wall, and the legend grows. Adolis Garcia wins game one. It'll be Kulak moving the puck. Rebound scores. Kulak moved in, and an Edmonton area kid has the opening goal of the Tim Hortons Heritage Classic. And Adam Johnson back for Aston Reese. Lafferty is in, rips his shot, stop on the rebound. Johnson scores. Get that puck first NHL goal. Adam Johnson. Sports Radio is back in the Edmonton area. This is Sports 1440 and the Kevin Carius Show. Good morning to you on a Monday morning after a massive Oilers win on a magical evening at Commonwealth Stadium. Man, oh man, that was a lot of fun. If you were in the stands last night, and I was lucky enough to be one of the 55,411 fans to take uh, that contest in last night, and it was fun. That, I mean, it was uh, a night I don't think Oilers fans will, will forget with the atmosphere i mean the sounds uh, sometimes you know when you're at a game like that sight lines obviously aren't the greatest so you have to kind of maybe use your other senses so the sounds i mean when you're listening to the the echo of the the puck off the boards or a stick handling or a skate blade mostly the skate blades cutting into the ice and you're you're listening to that kind of uh sound where you hear you know, it takes you back to your childhood playing outdoors and the echo because of the, the stands, the configuration. Um, that's what would people will remember. And I'm sure a lot of texters are going to be sending in their text to one 401 What did you remember? What do you, what will you never forget about last night's game? Um, if you were one of the, 55,411 sold out at Commonwealth. Send us a text uh, about your night and how much you enjoyed uh, the Oilers 5-2 win. Uh, I mean, for weather-wise, could you ask for better weather? Probably not. Uh, about, what, three above uh, for puck drop. Got a little colder, obviously, as the, the game wore on. Uh <laughs> I mean, a little bit of a far cry from uh, 2003 when she was minus 18 at puck drop and got colder. And, of course, with the wind chill that uh, that year, it was frigid. But as for the Oilers, I mean, they needed that type of game. I mean, maybe the key words when you hear what they were talking about after the game, um, Jay Woodcroft, that looked like us. It looked like us from before. It looked like us tonight. So uh, the Duke of Delburn, you were... Uh, in the friendly confines of your comfy couch watching the game, right? You didn't you didn't make her down to Commonwealth, did you? No, I didn't brave the uh, oh, the frigid temperatures of on, uh, late October, Alberta. So I watched the first couple periods from the uh, comfort of my mm-hmm. couch and then listened to the start of the third and uh, on my drive to the Claire Drake and then watched the remainder of um, all but the last couple minutes, I guess, before mm-hmm. taking the ice at the Drake last night for our Sunday night uh, beer league game. And the uh, young lady in the timekeeping box was kind enough to have the game on on there. So oh. uh, she provided us with the last couple updates 
updates, but uh, thankfully didn't need uh, didn't need too many more updates with them. Um, you know, mm-hmm. getting the empty netter and keeping things pretty well secured for the home stretch of that they game. They were the better team last night. There's no question about that. Text coming in. Uh, Compro Evolution. Kane played like the old Kane. Carried the team. Evander Kane was a force last night. Uh, one goal, two assists. He had the empty netter. Uh, a lot of people thought he might have had the other goal that was awarded to Vinny DeHarnay. So, but congrats to Vinny D, his first NHL goal. Big smile on his face last night after the game. Uh, you got three goals from the back end. DeHarnay, Kulak, Bouchard. That's big. But uh, Evander Kane, one goal, two assists. He was plus three, had six hits, six shots on goal to lead the team in those categories. Played 20 minutes, 32 seconds. He was a a key, key part of the Oilers' win last night. And uh, let's be clear here. This is a stepping stone. This is, I mean, the Oilers needed this to move forward now. Now they have to keep building on this because, you know, the, the start that, they had everyone knows it wasn't what they wanted but now maybe this can be something where you say yeah we can turn the corner get things going in the right direction uh zach hyman had another solid game had one goal one assist he was plus four on the night um very solid game for Hyman. Text coming in, one 1440 And uh, this comes from the Stair Farmer checking in on his standard roll call. Good morning, boys. That was a much better played Oilers game. They didn't make it easy on themselves in the first period with the five on threes, but they looked good defensively on the PK. Getting to my next point, the penalty kill unit was very good, even though the Oilers did give up two power play goals. They killed off a five on three. And normally, I mean, you're not getting a lot. If you get one five on three every couple of games, but to have two in the first period, the refs were getting it last night. Man, they were getting it. The Oilers ended up killing that one off a five on three. And then it's almost sort of deflating when you get scored on on a five on three with one second left in that in the in the first penalty. So you, then you still have to kill off the five on four. I believe there's 35 seconds left or something like that in the second penalty. Uh, but the Oilers penalty kill unit was very good last night. Two for six, Calgary went on the power play. The Oilers only had two power play opportunities uh, in that game. Went zero for two, so tilted, you could say. The penalties were in favor. Uh, of the Oilers getting flagged last night. Four, uh, nothing, the even strength goals. That's another critical point, a critical stat in this game because uh, that's an area the Oilers were, you know, lacking. They were lacking in it. Plus two third-period goals. Uh, Anytime the Flames sort of crept back into the game, even though the Oilers were the better team. When the Flames did creep back into the game and made it close, made it 3-2, obviously, made it 2-1 once, the Oilers had that little extra gear to take it away and get that momentum back. Congrats to Brett Kulak scoring the first goal there. That big thrill for a local product, you know, little backhander in. Kulak was plus two, played 12-48, and he was solid on the back end for sure. Uh before we forget, Duke, uh, this is our last uh, Monday without Lorianne Munzer. Lorianne will be back in the chair next Monday. She's been, uh, it's been the European vacation. Do we last know where Lorianne was, Duke? Is it, or is she still in the Greek Isles? I think that was the last we heard. 
So, uh, but I mean, I'm sure she's enjoying herself regardless. As much as we are enjoying the bomb, or not myself, but all the fans enjoying the balmy temperatures at Commonwealth yesterday, they certainly still pale in comparison to what uh, Lorianne's been enjoying over in Europa the past uh, Europa, couple weeks. Europa, yes. Um, we had, I was lucky and fortunate enough, uh, Brad Oscar Gamble from Sleeman's came in from the Big Smoke from Toronto, where he's basically running the company out there. Uh, a local product again. Local boy makes good Oscar Gamble. Uh, so he uh, was fortunate, or he was kind enough, and I was fortunate enough to slide into uh, seven rows up, right in front of Nickelback. Uh, that was a highlight, Duke. I, I've never seen Nickelback before. I don't know. I'm probably one of the few that have not seen Nickelback in this province. I thought they were fabulous. I enjoyed that part. And uh, have you seen Nickelback, Duke? Probably, no. I was supposed to see them this when they were at Rogers wow. this summer, but I uh, unfortunately had to pass up my ticket pretty last minute for a uh, work thing. But I was I heard nothing but rave reviews and have heard nothing but rave reviews about <laughs> yesterday, this summer, virtually every show they've ever played, even when you uh, big-timed old Chad Kroger and uh, yeah. didn't know who the guy was <laughs> once upon a time. So. 25 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> That's still, you know, every time I tell that story, people look at me like I'm from another planet, huh? I was old stage 13 in the late 90s. Uh, text coming in to one 401 Corey goes, two minutes driving Cadre from behind was well worth it. Uh, Collins says, hold the parade. They played the Flames. One game. Long ways to go. Yes, this is a building uh, block. It's a starting point to maybe get things going. The Dallas Stars are here on Thursday. Then Nashville here on Saturday. So the Oilers have to kind of build and keep building on this for sure. Harry comes in. Um, felt like Oilers Nation had a good time and some other stuff. Steer Farmer also goes, hey, Brett Kulak's family farm is not too far from my family farm. Uh, I was so excited for him. Um, we actually, I talked to Brett Kulak about that, about farming and stuff at the beginning of the year. Uh, we had that on. So I think it's a... A nice feel-good story for a lot of things last night. Kulak scoring uh, the first goal of the game in front of, you know, many family and friends. Stuart Skinner in front of many, many families and friends. Uh, had a solid game in goal. And the other thing, too, that I mean, even I think Zach Hyman said it last night as well. You don't know the puck. I mean, yeah, you know, the, the ice conditions were probably as good as you're going to get for an outdoor game just with temperature, things like that. And yeah, the plant is, you know, you know that, that makes a big difference of how they, uh, you know, monitor the ice surface and things like that. But Mother Nature has to cooperate or else it's not going to happen. It did last night. The ice was very good compared to years past. Like, I mean, 20 years ago, it was basically like peanut brittle out there. So uh, kudos to the staff. I, I, I never, there was one guy that came, that had, I think we were just kind of entering Commonwealth. He wasn't happy because he couldn't get a bag in. I didn't see too many people unhappy. There were, I mean, the lineups for beer and food. That's just the way it's going to be. I mean, you got 55,000 people in there. Uh, that's The last time this has happened was would have been those soccer games with uh, Canada playing Jamaica and things like that. But, I mean, it was just a zoo in there in the concourse level. And we've seen it for great cups. We've seen it, you know, 
back in the day when the Eskimos were drawing well. And we've seen it there before, but, I mean, last night was just crazy. Uh, King of Fort Nasty chimes in with his uh, daily roll call. <laughs> well, I kind of feel where you're coming from here, King. The King of Fort Nasty must have had a dozen cola beers last night at the Heritage Classic. Feeling it today. I'll tell you about the disappointment on the Flames fans' faces. Make it well, all worthwhile. That's the King of Fort Nasty. Um, that the, the the good part of yesterday, Duke, is the win. But so the, all of the, my buddies that we went with, we started at uh, local at 1 p.m. That, so that's a shift, you know. Never mind, Duke. I was also at the Bears football game outdoors on Saturday. Where were you for that? On Saturday, I was uh, southbound and down, crossing paths with uh, quite a few Flames fans, I think, as I was going down the QE2. They on their way up for the weekend's festivities. And then, uh, yeah, Senior Outlaws game Saturday night. Uh, start the season 2-0. and Yeah. Had to give the boys a pretty good shout out there. Uh, <laughs> despite missing Bears football, but thankfully they got a home playoff game still on the docket. So I'm hoping to make it out to Footfield yet before the season is out. Well, first of all, so the, the Bears lost on Saturday 23-10. to Now they play U of S in the Canada West semifinals. But the game's at 5 p.m. Uh, on Saturday. Uh, kind of wondering. It was, you know, obviously they have another game scheduled somewhere for television or something. But I mean, five p.m. Come on, that's you got, why? Why can't they have this game at one o'clock or two o'clock? Uh, we will discuss the um, Heritage Classic with uh, Alan Mitchell at seven twenty. He will guest with us. Um. Alan Mitchell will have, I mean, some fair comments, I would imagine, about last night's festivities. So we will check in with Alan Mitchell at 7.20. Uh, Mark Spector, our daily dose of spec at 8 o'clock in the morning. Duke is making some changes to the schedule. Ryan Pike from Flames Nation comes on at uh, 8.20. Well, thanks for that, Duke. I would have said his other name then. Perry Pern, 9 o'clock. Perry Pern's been coaching at many levels for many, many years. Started with the Nadukes in the mid-80s and things like that. Now Perry's off to um, Japan, and he leaves Thursday, I believe, because he's coaching in Japan. So it will be interesting to hear from Perry Pern, a longtime Edmontonian. Uh, He's at all the games up in the press box, so uh, we will check in with Perry at 9 o'clock. Brendan Jensen from the Nate Ooks women's hockey team at 9.40, and we will uh, talk baseball, Game 3 of the World Series tonight. Uh, Jensen Lewis from Sirius XM uh, Major League Baseball Radio will guest with us. Um, Framer Johnny texts in, Grant Fuhrer looked good in goal last night. I don't know what that means exactly, but... Probably in uh, leading to the, the fact pads? that, yes, Stuart Skinner was yeah. um, giving in uh, a tribute to Grant Fear with his pad setup and the mask paint jobs. So uh, I concur, Framer Johnny. Grant Fear did look good mm-hmm. down in the crease last night. Uh, text comes in. I was at the uh, McEwen Women's Soccer Canada West playoff games uh, game on uh, U of Vic on Saturday. It was cold. The wind was nasty. Unfortunately, McEwen lost the game. Um, but nevertheless, kudos to all who came out to cheer on all the teams. Uh, K-Fed goes, okay, hey, maybe, okay, I'll get this one. It's good the Bears are playing at five because the Oilers have a one o'clock game. Well, 
also there's Bears hockey, I believe, on Saturday night as well. Uh, U of S. So it's basically a U of S festival this weekend. Bears hockey, home to the U of S Huskies. Friday, Saturday, Bears football, home to U of S Huskies at 5. And yes, okay, the Oilers have a 1 o'clock game. Uh, when we come back, Alan Mitchell will check in on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. Oilers coming off a big 5-2 win last night in the Heritage Classic at Commonwealth Stadium. Uh, it was, uh, I don't know, surprising was the right word, but it was great to see Connor McDavid back in the lineup after missing a couple of games. Played a lot, you know. He uh, had one assist in the game, but he played, uh, he had uh, 23 minutes of ice time. Uh, 23-26, actually. So, I mean, he came back and uh, looked like he didn't skip a beat and... Uh, uh, was spry out of the gate. So let's welcome in Alan Mitchell. Uh, you hear him here, noon to two, uh, with the lowdown every day on Sports 1440. Welcome to the program, Alan. Good morning. You still in your PJs? Uh, you know, Winnie the Pooh, and I've got my prune juice here, oh. and uh, my Metamucil, so I'm ready. Good for you, Alan. Good for you. You know, did I see you uh, around the mosh pit uh, watching Nickelback there uh, in the second period intermission <laughs> last night? trying to get a photograph but i couldn't so uh but it was it was good and i have to say that i thought that uh i would like people to like nickelback more they're very famous and popular and i feel like they don't get the love from their own province and that's kind of too bad because they're you know they're, they're wildly successful for a reason they play music that people like people should appreciate that are you in a car wash alan or where are you I'm driving down uh, Campbell Road in St. Albert. <laughs> okay. Uh, did you make it to the game last night? Were you there? No, sir. Okay. No, sir, I was not. No, I, I was not there. I had some other errands to run. Uh, my daughter was starting a job, and I wanted to drive her and pick her up. She was having an orientation, uh, and so I was unable to make it, but I, I knew that it was covered well by everybody, including Daniel Nugent Bowman at The Athletic. He's got a great article up today. Well, it was a, a magical night, I think. Uh, you know, I was lucky enough to be working the game 20 years ago and then went... Uh, as a fan, uh, probably the last period and a half, 20 years ago, uh, then last night just went as a pure fan and thoroughly enjoyed myself. It was one of the highlights that I've ever of, a, of an event I've ever attended. Fifty five thousand four hundred and eleven uh, taking this one in as the Oilers win five two. As for the game itself, uh, Alan, what in particular caught your eye? Well, I thought that, that Evander Kane was exactly the player they need him to be. He was powerful and physical and intimidating and effective, scored goals. Uh, I think that Stuart Skinner played. That's his second game in a row that he's played well. The Oilers need really good goaltending uh, to make things work, and they, they were exactly that. I thought Leon Dreisaitl was brilliant. And the defense is getting healthier again. Kulak looks like himself. Uh, Ekholm's not there yet, but he's getting there. Bouchard's game his confidence. Darnell Nurse was playing style. He was mean and physical, and and that's the way he played. I know he got a penalty, but he got his money's worth. He punched a guy in the face twice. That's two minutes. And uh, I thought the Oilers played a strong game. Now, the Calgary 
Calgary Flames are not the Dallas Stars. You'd like them to play that game against Dallas later in the week, but let's give credit where due. They needed to show up, and to a man, the orders did last night. Alan Mitchell with us on Sports 1440. What did you make of the play of Vinny DeHarnay and the smile that he put on after the game with the puck, you know, scoring his first NHL goal? Uh, originally, I thought that uh, they had awarded it to Kane, but they give it to Vinny DeHarnay. And man, you couldn't wipe that smile off his face for sure. Well, he, DeHarnay is, is, I think that he's the guy that every fan loves because he was a, like a, a depth draft pick way deep in the bowels of the 2016 draft. And he, you know, he, they didn't even sign him to an NHL contract. They Honestly, they didn't. They signed him to an AHL deal with the Bakersfield Condors. And so, you know, he had to earn an NHL contract. He did that. And uh, Jim Woodcroft had faith in him. He's, he's a, you know, he's a condor back there. He's just the longest. You've got tremendous light. You've got to be a fast skater to get by him, even though he's not, he doesn't have great boots. Uh, and, and he's worked on this game. I've watched him. I watched him in the AHL. I watch him now. He's really improved his game. He's, he is, if you're looking for a, a, a lunchbox guy who reflects this city uh, in his play and in the way he arrived in the National Hockey League, among all those superstars, McDavid and Dreisaitl, DeArnay has willed himself through hard work to the NHL. I'm, I'm very impressed by him as a hockey player and obviously as a person. He's an inspiring guy. Alan Mitchell is with us on Sports 1440. What did you make of the Oilers' physical play last night, Alan? I was impressed. They 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 did go overboard a little bit. They got into penalty trouble. We could be talking a different thing if they uh, end up giving up too many goals. But they Calgary's not a strong team, and they they manhandled them and were were I thought in control physically against a pretty tough hockey club. Um, I I think that. As much as you like that, you need to dial it back a little bit because you don't want to go two men down twice too often. And I thought the second period was derailed a little bit too because of of penalties. I think it was 5-1 after two for Calgary in terms of called penalties. So that's something to work on to be able to play that physical game without taking penalties. But overall, I think that's the way the Oilers have to play. They're they're highly skilled, and even their skilled guys, McDavid is a bully. I, you know, People are always, oh, worry about McDavid. He slashes and cross-checks and is physical. He's a, he's a brute, and so is Dreisaitl. So, if they win the Stanley Cup, that'll be a big part of it. We're with Alan Mitchell. Um, he's uh, the host of the Lowdown with Low Tide, noon to two right here on Sports 1440. So when you look at this Calgary team, Alan, and we are going to have Ryan Pike from Flames Nation on at 820, this team does not look very good right now. It's in cap trouble with, uh, well, Jonathan Huberto is locked up till 2031 on a $10.5 million deal. That contract is going to come back to haunt this team down the road like you would not believe uh, just because of the way he's playing right now, played last year. When you look at the Flames team as a whole, how much trouble do you think this team is in right now? Well, this is a pivot point for them now. They have a, a, a terrific defenseman named Noah Hannafin, who if they can sign him, things look a lot better. Calgary's uh, center piece is their defense, and then hopefully good goaltending. And I thought they got good goaltending last night for the most part, or at least until late. And 
so they, they, if Hannafin signs, then they're they're going to be a competitive team. The problem they have, and you you pointed it out, and I remember saying it and thinking it at the time, it isn't just Huberto, whose contract is a ghastly, ghastly deal, but Nassim Kadri is in his 30s and he's signed. They've got a lot of guys who are older men now and who are going to fade. They're not going to be as effective three years from now as they are now, and they're not as effective now as they were three years ago. So uh, the, the Flames are... Uh, you know, ideally they offload one of these big deals at some point, but they've gone deep and long, and quite frankly, the owners have too. And and if like Hyman and Ekholm and Kane fade, then they're going to have their own troubles. But for the Flames, it's very dire. And the only thing that could salvage it, I think, is that if they sign Hannafin, they'll have a good top four defense for the next five years. I see Nazem Kadri as an okay deal in the sense that it's only seven million. Al uh, Huberto at ten and a half, but I, I, for, okay, I don't think that they sign uh, Hannafin. I think they trade Hannafin. I think they trade Elias Lindholm, who's up uh, at the end of this year, four point eight five million. Uh, Hannafin's at uh, four, just under five million. I think they're trading both those guys because this is a team that just doesn't have a sniff. I believe, to make a playoff push. They're going to try to recoup some of their players, uh, try to get some picks and things like that and start building again because uh, their their roster is flawed. They have a lot of flaws in their in their roster. Another, uh, Zadorov is another one. So what are they going to do? They're going to trade him too. They have a lot of things. Craig Connery's got a lot of things to do in Calgary. But we'll, we'll talk about that with Ryan Pike uh, coming up. Do you think, uh, Alan, that this uh, win last night was a bit of a stepping stone? Can the Oilers build on this? Dallas is here on Thursday and then Nashville on Saturday. And then they go on the road for a little bit next week. I, I, the, the jury's still out. They, you know, their underlying numbers were strong through the poor uh, portion of October, which is most of October. But the, everybody talks about the owners. You know, they're going to go to to zone from man to man, and and I think the point has been missed. The owners weren't executing. They were playing garbage hockey. They were fumbling the puck. They weren't paying attention. They didn't have their head on a swivel. They looked like they were kind of out of it. They, it, it does happen where a team is disappointed in one year and then it kind of is a hangover for the next year. And I think that was it. So I, one hopes, and I think Conor McDavid coming back was a big part of that, but I, I think you have to see it. The Edmonton Oilers are way better than they were in October, just way better. They can't possibly be this bad. But saying that, they just showed that they could be. I don't think the Edmonton Oilers will have a poor November, but they got to prove it. And if they don't, then you are going to see some things. I, their third and fourth lines are not playing well. They're not doing a damn thing. So Ken Holland needs to do something. He could call Raphael Lavoie up today or put Adam Ernie on waivers today and call Raphael Lavoie up tomorrow. This Edmonton Oilers team on the third line, that's the McLeod line, and the fourth line, which basically is Yanmark, Ryan, and Ernie, uh, they're 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 matzo balls. They're bland. They're not doing anything. And you can say, well, they're hitting a little bit. Fine. You've got to turn the needle offensively, and they're not doing it. And that includes the McLeod line, and that's some good players. Once Fogel moved up, that third line became toothless. And that, that's an area the Edmonton Oilers really have to address. Ken Holland should be doing something today about the third and fourth lines. Alan Mitchell, so you are a massive proponent of 
making a switch, uh, sending Ernie down and bringing up Raphael Lebois? I would do that today. And, and I, I don't know that I'd stop there because they're, they're, they have, like, Derek Ryan is a wonderful player, but he's not a fast train. So if you have Ryan on the line, you need to have players who are fast to make up for that. They'll be the four checker. They can haul ass back. Ryan is a brilliant player in terms of anticipating. I, th- I really do think he's the smartest uh, oiler in a lot of ways. And, and I, I think that he covers up for his lack of foot speed. But you need somebody on that line who is fast. Yanmark isn't fast. Ernie isn't fast. They, they need to kind of change the mix there. And we're eight games in. That's 10% of the year. And nobody is doing much on the third and fourth line offensively. You have to score a little bit to stay in the NHL. And it's not happening. How would you grade the play of Holloway and McLeod so far this year? I like Holloway. He's not scoring, though. That's always been his problem. But he's fast and his, his underlying numbers are good. McLeod's good, but he's, you know, I think he's still recovering from injuries, Kevin. I think they're at home, too. I think these guys have been slow to come around. McLeod will find his way. He's a really smart player. Uh, he's fast. But we haven't seen the best of him, not close. I think Holloway, we, we need to find out if he can score enough to play on the second line, and I think the answer is no based on his first however many games, 65 games or whatever it is, and that's too bad, but he's not he's not scoring, and he's going to get passed or traded by somebody who can put the puck in the net, and it might be Raphael Lavoie, who's not as fast, but is a pure first-shot scorer. And one last one for you, Alan. Um, Stuart Skinner, um, playing at home in a spectacle that was last night with 55,411 fans at Commonwealth. He said that he used to go to the old Eskimos and Elks games as a kid. What do you think that was like for him last night and the satisfaction of coming out with a, a strong performance under less than ideal conditions at times just because you never know where the puck's going to be bouncing uh, on outdoor ice. Uh, just your take on Stuart Skinner's performance last night and moving forward. Well, for me, Skinner is is like he's a great story for the Oilers because they traded up to get him. I think Bob Green was the one who was was uh, strong on him, but they invested in him. They developed him. They saw him basically save the season a year ago, and Jack Campbell couldn't stop you know anything and. He, he's he's doing it again. His last two games have been strong. Uh, I think that the Edmonton Oilers are going to run with him more than Campbell for the next while. And if he can be the goalie that he was a year ago, plus a little bit, the Edmonton Oilers have one. And goalies in the Oilers, it's basically Moog, Fear, and Devin Dubnik, and now Stuart Skinner. It's a rare thing for the Oilers to draft and develop a goaltender. Skinner's it. Oilers fans should be very encouraged by his performance last night. Hey, Alan, did you know that uh, today was the uh, Rumble in the Jungle in 1974? You're kidding, man. I remember that so well. I, that, that was the golden era of, mm-hmm. of that sport for me. And I was just a kid, but my dad loved the sport. And so there was a, there was a lot of lore to it, and I knew all of it. So it was, uh, it, was, it, was, it was fantastic. It was great theater. It was great theater. And um, I don't think pay-per-view kind of sent it in a different direction. But, but that was the, for me, that was the golden era. It really was. And I mean... <laughs> When you look at how everything about it, just uh, 
out of the ring that happened in uh, Zaire, everything that was going on in the country and and how basically Muhammad Ali was uh, revered by everyone in Zaire where George Foreman kind of was the bad guy. Didn't really do anything yeah. to become the bad guy, but that's just kind of how it went. There are there are some wonderful books and and uh, uh, television features about that era, and like Joe Frazier was maybe the most powerful puncher up until then ever. He was a a monster. George Foreman was a was a very very good fighter. Uh, Ken Norton was a very very good fighter. But Ali was uh, more than that. He was larger than life. Muhammad Ali could get a, another boxer off. His game, he could he could rope a dope. He 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 was uh, he had great strategy, and he was loud and brash. And I think he, in some ways, he intimidated those other great fighters in the way Tiger Woods would on the golf course years and years later, just because of the power of his presence and his personality. Ali became there was a, I mean when I was a kid, Muhammad Ali was the most famous man on the earth, and mm-hmm. I say that without any any doubt in my mind. I think it's. Sometimes maybe young people don't know how big a star Muhammad Ali was. He was a giant, and he was he was brilliant. I loved watching him, and I love his story. And I'm so sad he he had the life he had after the ring. Well, he was bigger than the Pope. That's how big he was. And, and, yes, and, and I mean I agree with you. And, People will react, but it's true. It's, he yeah. was bigger than the Beatles. He was bigger yeah. than all of them. He was just a monster. And you know, uh, uh, George Foreman, uh, we're going to have Kenny Lacusta in the studio here on Thursday. So wow. uh, George Foreman fought Kenny Lacusta uh, years and years ago as well. Yeah, there's there's some great boxing. Uh, John Short used to do a show on on uh, the old station, uh, and he had boxers in there all the time, mm-hmm. and they parade themselves in, and I would meet them, and and uh, Olson and Dewitt, and all those guys. It's a wonderful sport. I I, I uh, um, because it's pay per view, and I I keep track of other things now. I don't pay attention like I used to, but there was a time when when I could not wait till Saturday came, and the mm-hmm. ABC Wide World of Sports and all the boxing it was fantastic. Fantastic. It was George Foreman, Kenny Lacusta, right here at the at Northlands Agricom, and that was in 1990. So uh, I'm really looking forward to have Kenny in the studio on Thursday. He's going to come in with how that happened, Alan, was uh, a lot of Slav Schmid. We were talking about it last week, and then I, I gave Kenny a call. He goes, yeah, I'll come in and, and be in the studio with you and Laddie. So that's going to – and I talked to Laddie about it. He's just thrilled because he just wants to know so much about he, – he couldn't believe that a guy from here fought George Foreman. That's what. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. So. No, there's been there's been good fighters. You know, it's not just at the bars either. Sometimes they get in the <laughs> ring. Kevin. Well, hey, uh, thanks for this, Alan. Uh, do you uh, have a sniff? What's going on on your show today, or is uh, is Freddy Krueger still in the rack as well? will be by we'll be talking wall-to-wall Oilers uh, there will also be a component about the World Series and obviously Monday Night Football and we always spend a little bit of time reviewing uh, the NFL yesterday my god the Eagles are a wonderful team I just want to say that <laughs> oh aren't they yeah yeah they barely got out of that one against Washington Al. you know that you know that uh, they won that's all that matters man yeah alright thanks Alan talk to you soon but. All right, sir. All right. That's uh, Alan Mitchell, the lowdown.
noon to two right here on Sports 1440. Uh, when we come back, we'll have a little open text time. Uh, lots coming in uh, to one 1440 And uh, you know what? Maybe the Duke and I will talk a little NFL. I'm sure the Duke watched a little NFL on uh, the couch yesterday. Duke again, what? Eight hours on the couch? What? Uh, I was on my way back from Delvin, so I missed the first <laughs> half of the morning slate. But once oh. I uh, returned home, it was uh, yeah, camped out pretty good. Is right there like just bowls of chips? Like what? Ha- what's like what's going on? Like is there like you must have like when I'm watching games? Yeah, like what are you munching on? You got are you ordering pizza in or what? Uh, it depends weekend to weekend if I'll maybe order in some lunch or just uh, fire something nice and easy into the oven like um, it'll be like a frozen lasagna or maybe even a. a <laughs> I was gonna say like how about one of those hungry men dinners? Uh, sure, yeah, those yeah. I, I've got a few of those stashed in the freezer <laughs> for um, I don't want to say emergency situations, but when you're really uh, you know hard up against it in dire circumstances you don't want to cook anything and you get home late and just want to eat something for so what kind, like i mean they have the chicken ones and what else the, the, the it's a swanson hungry man dinner isn't it uh well those are those aren't necessarily the ones that i have oh. i'm more of like the like the frozen pasta and uh chicken alfredo or the hamburger and macaroni what <laughs> like the about as simple as ones you can get but yes yeah, some of those ones you can get pretty intense like oh, yeah. potatoes or turkey gravy even some like cranberries and stuff in them it's wild well you should probably tape some of this stuff so so, you know we can let let our listeners know what's going on with the duke on the weekend uh so we'll have some open time text line at uh 1-833-401-1440 and mark specter coming up at the top of the hour stay with us it's kevin carey show on sports 1440 all right duke that's probably one of my favorite ba songs uh one of his tracks if you call it that um is that is it after uh, like Princess Diane? Is that did he write that for her? I have no idea. No? I don't know either, but I like that one anyway. Uh, text coming in to one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. The King of Fort Nasty says uh, we started yesterday at the Fort Sask CBH. That's uh, that's your one of your haunts, right, Duke? Not so much anymore now yeah, that because I'm over you, here on you, the, you, the West End. But but it uh, was one of your haunts. Uh, yeah, I'd stop by every now and again. Uh, burger, beer, bus to the game for 25 bucks. Can't beat it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Framer Johnny goes, thanks, Duke. At least you got the reference. I guess he was talking about Grand Fear, Stuart Skinner. Got to spell it a little bit more for me. Thanks, uh, Johnny. Uh, this comes, I don't know if this is from Tim Anger or not, but uh, KK, Metro League football finals all day at Clark, Saturday, November 4th. Uh, first game goes at 10 the fourth game goes at 5.30. That comes from Timmy. So thanks for that. So if you want to check out some high school football, um, head down to Clark. I can honestly honestly say that it's some of the best football you can watch because the kids try so damn hard. We never get a lot of cooperation. I never got a lot of cooperation being in the media business for 25 years here in Edmonton. Uh, and in TV, we never had a lot of, well, we had zero very little, I'd say 1% uh, cooperation from Alberta high schools and the Metro uh, people in Edmonton as far as all uh, sports go. Um, unfortunately, that's that's the way it was. Hopefully, maybe that can change uh, with how the media has gone in Edmonton. I don't know where exactly you're going to get the coverage now, but uh, we'll mention it here on uh, Sports 1440 for sure. Now, the Cardinal of Clive, uh, he came in last week. He wanted to change his name because if you're going to have the Duke of Delbert, I want to change my handle 
to the Cardinal of Clive. So he texts in this morning, boys, where do the Vikings go from here? Cousins out, Brady in. Well, yes, uh, not really, but where do the Minnesota Vikings go from here? Holy cow. So Kirk Cousins, possible, probable, what do you want to call it? Torn Achilles heel. Uh, If that's the case, he's obviously done for the year. Jaron Hall came in yesterday. Looked like he'd a young quarterback that never really played in the league before is what he'd look like. So where do the Minnesota Vikings go from here? So you got Cousins out. You got the number one receiver in the league out, Justin Jefferson. Man, is the defense good enough, Duke, to win ball games in Minnesota now that you're going to have to rely on, I don't know, Alexander Madison a lot more? The running game, you got, I mean, Hawkinson's going to have to even step it up even more. Younger quarterbacks always seem to go to the tight end. Can I, To be honest with you, Duke, before Cousins went down, I pegged Minnesota to win the division. I, two of their last three games are against Detroit. Now, I mean, I don't know if they can make the playoffs without Cousins. Yeah, I'd uh, I'd pick Minnesota at the start of the season to win the division. I think a lot of people were kind of down on them after a lot of their fortunate luck uh, that they endured last season and wins in one one score games. And the script flipped on them to start this year, losing uh, a couple to start off. But they they've kind of been on a roll here the last uh, number of weeks leading into this unfortunate, puts it lightly, circumstance with Kirk Cousins. And the the tough thing is a guy like him, who I think pretty much everybody can root for and get behind. Uh, If you watch the quarterback series from this past summer, uh, as nice of a guy as you're going to come across in pro sports. So tough for him, but they're they're in a bad spot now because you talk about their defense. No, it is certainly not good enough to carry a team. It's good enough to get by. Keep a team in the game. Keep a team afloat when your offense is rolling, which the Vikings quite often are. Jordan Addison has stepped up tremendously well in the absence of Justin Jefferson, but I I certainly think the Vikings might give maybe um, the trade deadline is on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. They they don't really have time to wait and see about what uh, Jaron Hall can do. They have to go out and do something here. The the old hats that are like kind of oh. pooling around in the um, free agent pool, none of those are viable options at this point. I think if they were, the Jets probably would have already latched onto them back when Rodgers went down. There, there are a couple names out there, whether it be Jacoby Brissett uh, backing up in Washington, Taylor Heineke down in Atlanta. He got into some action this weekend. Who knows? Maybe after mm-hmm. what Will Levis did with Tennessee, <laughs> uh, all of a sudden Ryan Tannehill might be a name they want to explore who has certainly not played well this season, but you need someone... Tannehill profiles out as a kind of, I I don't like this expression, but it, it fits well here, a poor man's Kirk Cousins in terms of the way they play the game and, and can probably fit into the same offense. Um, and then you just kind of got to try and keep your head above water because once Jefferson comes back with him, Addison emerging, you mentioned Hawkinson is one of the probably most reliable tight ends in the league. Mm-hmm. You've got a good enough receiving core that you don't need your quarterback to be super good. You probably just need him to not make mistakes, which yeah. all those names I just listed off, that's kind of been their MO in the past that they do tend to make mistakes. Heineke, Brissett, and, uh, and Tannehill. But they're a good enough team that they, they can't just throw the season away. I don't think Cousins a UFA at the end of the season. Not sure if he's going to be back. So... Yeah, Minnesota's in a really tough spot, and it's unfortunate because they were it's, a team I had uh, high hopes for this yeah. year. Yeah, it's hard. Like, the, all the other quarterbacks, the guys that you're mentioning, because the quarterbacks have been dropping like flies. I mean, it looks like Daniel Jones is back, uh, going to be back for next week. But, I mean, 
I mean, the Giants were, they had to go to Danny DeVito already, you know, (laughs) like, let's be honest. I mean, it's just the the quarterback stable is just getting pounded. Um, Another guy maybe is Jameis Winston, but do you want to, does New Orleans, right? New Orleans, do you want to get rid of him? No, probably not. You might need him for insurance. And the way these contracts are structured as well, I mean, I mean, these, the backups are making tons of money. Do you want to take that cash on on a, on a cap? It's, it's a difficult situation. But, man, you look at all the quarterbacks going down again. Like, I mean, Deshaun Watson still. and uh, Kenny Pickett now. Again, now Mitch Trubisky finished the game in Pittsburgh. Is he the, is he the guy going forward uh, in there? Justin Fields, who knows what's happening with him. Uh, Bajan came down to earth yesterday uh, in, against the Chargers. It, man, these guys are just getting beat up at the quarterback position. Hey, if you got a text, uh, send it our way, one 401 How much fun did you have at the game last night if you went? What's your favorite memory? Send it to us, uh, 1-833-401-1440. We'll get to some of those at the top of the hour. Plus, Mark Spector from Rogers Sportsnet joins us at 8 o'clock. Before that, time now for a Sports 1440 update brought to you by First Round. If you wear an NFL jersey tonight to the downtown location, Location, you'll get 50% off wings. You can't beat it. Here is the Duke with a Sports 1440 update.